You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Let's pray as we get into God's Word this morning. Father, we're grateful that you uh, came and revealed yourself. In fact, I love um, that you say that unless we have a faith like a child, we can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And so many of us in this room, God, at some point in our life, we had to humble ourselves and say yes to you. And so, Jesus, we're grateful for that. We ask you now just to open your word, open our eyes, open our hearts, that what we talk about today would not only make a difference in our lives, but make a difference in how we approach the world out there. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Christmas is the time where we look, we look backward. And we have fond memories. We reminisce, right? We think about all the things from the past at Christmas. We love uh, people right now in the present. So we not only look backwards, but we look at the present, the people that we're engaging with right now, and we love on them. And then we, we look forward. And for some of us, we look forward to maybe future Christmas experiences. Maybe some of you in this room, you're saying, maybe someday I'll be married and I'll, I'll have a husband or a wife at Christmas. And wouldn't that be great? And some of you are saying, maybe someday God would allow for me and my spouse to be parents and, and I could have kids someday. Maybe you're looking at that. And, and for some of us, maybe every year you miss some people who have gone heavenward ahead of you. And at Christmas time, you're thinking, maybe someday there's that reunion with those who've gone on before me, and I miss them so much, but maybe again someday I'll look forward to a time when we are not only in their presence, but we're in the presence of the Christ himself in heaven. It's a time when we kind of look backward and a time that we look at the present and a time that we look forward. That's what Christmas is all about. And every year we sing songs like the first Noel. And Noel means Christmas. People wonder, what in the world is a Noel, or what does Noel mean? And it really just means the word Christmas. Uh, French, Noel means Christmas. And as we look backwards, we're going to look all the way back. Webster's Dictionary, I don't know if you know it went back this far, but Webster's 1828 edition defined Noel as a shout of joy or Christmas song, and it's derived from the Latin term natalis, which means birth, from which we get the word nativity. That's what it's derived from. And since Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Christ, people sing a Noel. It was natural for people to refer to that celebration as a Noel or a nativity or the birth. If we go way back to the Middle Ages, English and French carols use the word Noel. In fact, since early songs usually use the title, the first word of the song as the title, they would say this is a Noel. And because of this, the word now carries the dual meaning of a Christmas song and Christmas celebration itself. They will sing, let's sing a Noel, or they will sing about Christmas. They'll say, Noel, 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 born as the king of Israel, right? So you've got that going on. Our English carol, the first Noel, was first published in a book titled Carols, Ancient and Modern in 1823. And the message of the song is a joyous pronouncement that the king of Israel has been born. Now, that's all the past. If we look to the past, in the present though, when we sing or when we express Noel to somebody else, we basically are doing the very same thing that the angels did when Jesus Christ was born, that they proclaimed his birth, his nativity, that his arrival, and that he is the Christmas child. For all mankind, we proclaim this, and we're happy about it because we can receive the forgiveness of our sins through Christ. 
So when we say Christmas, when we say Noel, when you say Merry Christmas to somebody, you're doing the same thing. You're proclaiming good news that can be right now for your sin and my sin to be washed away because of the sacrifice of Jesus. But before he was sacrificed, God left heaven and came earth in the form of a baby. And that's what we do. We sing. But what do you sing when you're in God's waiting room? What do you sing when you're waiting to be adopted? What do you sing when you're waiting to have a child? What do you sing when you are in a season in your life where you're just waiting? You've not arrived at a destination yet. You've not arrived to where you want to be. Well, what do you sing when there is the promise, but the promise has not yet been fulfilled? What do we sing in anticipation of the return of Christ when he's not yet returned, right? Because here we are singing about Noel, and we're talking about the original arrival of Christ, but he's promised to come again. And what do we sing now when he hasn't yet come again? We sing Noel. How did the ancient people put their hope in a promise yet to be fulfilled? If you have your outline today, you're going to realize as we talk through these scriptures, you're going to realize first that God always keeps his promises. He always keeps his promises. From the fall in Genesis chapter 3 to the promises to David that his reign and the reign of his family line would reign forever and last forever. From the prophets in the Old Testament to the New Testament, there were 400 years of silence between Malachi and Matthew, and Israel was in a waiting time. They were waiting on God. Even though they believed in God, and even though they had put their hope in the promise of deliverance, when God's people wait for him, you and I, and they begin to ask the question of faithfulness. God, we're waiting. Are you going to be faithful? God, we're waiting. Is this really going to happen? God, we're waiting. When is this going to be fulfilled? When will this actually happen? Will God keep his promises? God, will you keep your promise to return again? Will you? God, Will you keep your promise to ultimately destroy death? Wouldn't that be nice? For death to be no more. For death to be destroyed. For it to be gone. Nobody would get a terminal diagnosis. How nice would that be, right? Wouldn't that be a beautiful thing? God, will you actually come back and be our leader as King of Kings and Lord of Lords forever? Wouldn't that be nice? To have godly, perfect, righteous leadership that never ends. We don't have to vote anymore. We don't have to do anything. Just God is our leader. God, will you keep your promises? We're waiting. The question of waiting on God, will you keep your promises, is the hinge on which Christianity turns. If God doesn't keep his promises, then what in the world are we waiting for? But if he does, that changes everything, doesn't it? God keeps his promises. As God's people waited for the Messiah, they were undoubtedly asking the question of, God, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to show up? Are you going to keep your promises? And as we wait for God to keep his promises, we sometimes ask the same question. As we look back, what did the ancient people do to maintain their hope in a promise yet to be fulfilled? Here's what they did. They did exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced 
that God is able to do all he has promised. What do you do when you're in God's waiting room? You do exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced that God is able to do all that he has promised. And Paul encourages us with this statement to trust God's promises. If you have your Bible, open to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Paul writes in chapter 4 of Galatians, verse 1, What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he's no different from a slave. Teenagers say amen. <laughs> Although he owns the whole estate, the heir is subject to the guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully, what? Fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And because you are his sons, God set the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Now, Paul writes these things, and we're going to unpack them a little bit, but I want you to know, what do you do when you are waiting on God to maintain hope in promises which have not yet been fulfilled? They're yet to be fulfilled. What do you do? Here's what you do. You might want to write this down. You do exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced that God is able to do all he has promised. You do exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced that God is able to do all he has promised. What do you do when you're in the waiting room? That's what you do. You basically are doing the next right thing. Because irrespective of your circumstances, irrespective of what's going on in your life at the time, you're saying, God, I believe you will and are able to finish everything that you've promised including in my life. Some of you wonder, God, am I ever going to make it? God, am I going to be able to, to hold out? God, am I going to be able to, to be a Christian my entire life? God, am I going to be able to make it through all these tough circumstances? So often we feel like if there's just one more thing, it will crush me. If there's one more thing, I'll crumble under it. God, are you actually able to help me in that? God, are you actually able to overcome through your spirit in me my weaknesses? Well, you do exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced that God is able to do all he has promised. So here's what happens. You and I, we live Christmas. You say, what do you mean? I said, well, this. You live Noel looking backwards at God's fulfilled promise through Christ. When you see Christ, the arrival of Christ, the birth of Christ, you're remembering, you're going, God fulfills his promises. Look at Christ. Look at how long people had to wait. And you live Noel backwards. You live Noel forward, looking ahead at God's promises yet to come. That they're going to be fulfilled, but they've not been fulfilled yet. We're waiting on you, God, but we're looking forward. We're living Noel forward for those. And we live Noel in the present by loving others without sacrificing our conviction. So we love others while we're in the waiting. Because we realize God always keeps his promises. Number two. Waiting on God is never easy. It's never easy. How many of you do not like waiting? 
Okay, I'm not alone. Excellent. Very good. Waiting on God is never easy. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 2, it says this, the heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the word. Now, he uses this phrase. He says, if you're an heir, but you're a young person, you're, you're under the authority. You're under the limitations of guardians and trustees. And I, I want to tell you that you and I have guardians and trustees over us because we're in the waiting room. We're waiting for God to fulfill his promises ahead. We're waiting on God, right? We're waiting for this kind of thing to happen. And as we wait, we realize that there's guardians and trustees over us in our life. You say, well, what kind of guardians, Dave? What kind of trustees are in authority over me? Well, you've got a guardian or trustee called mortality. You've got a guardian and trustee in your life called the fact that you and I are finite. We're not infinite. You and I are, have guardians and trustees over us in that we cannot see the future. So we are obligated to wait because we cannot see the fulfillment of the promise that only God sees. See, while Israel waited for God to keep his promise, they faced a few terrible things. They faced hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt. They faced seemingly endless battles to finally get into the promised land, the land of Israel. They were conquered in the land of Israel by Assyria and later by the Babylonians and taken out of the land of Assyria. They were taken into exile. And at the time that Jesus was born, the Israelite people were under slavery, under, uh, uh, they were under Roman oppression. Waiting on God was never easy. And any one of those steps along the way, the people could have been like, God, let me just tell you, this, I'm not sure, Lord, if you're aware, but this would be the most opportune time for you to come back. Like, honestly, like, if there was ever a time in history for your Messiah to come, for you to come, then this would be the most opportune time. How many of you have ever felt that way? Lord, just take me now, or Lord, come back, right? We say the word Maranatha, which means Jesus come, come back. Come, Lord Jesus, is what it means. So you're like, Lord, Maranatha, life is hard. It'd, be, it'd just be a lot easier if you would just come back and fix all this mess that we made. You felt like that, and so have I. But that's not how God answered. But it didn't mean that God wasn't keeping his promises. It's really no different when we wait on God. We say, God, any time now would be a good time. But God never promised that waiting on him was going to be easy. It's never easy. Just like people waited on God for the first Christmas, the arrival of the Christ child, we wait on God through every difficulty. And just because it's difficult doesn't mean God's not keeping his promise. I mean, think about it for a minute. Who decided December 25th? Who decided that kids have to wait 25 days in December for Christ to show up? For Christmas to show up, right? Who thought it like, should be December 1st or something, right? Who decided 25 days? The kids are like, oh, they got the countdown going. They know exactly how many days you don't believe. Just ask them. It's hard to wait, isn't it? It's difficult for expectant parents to wait 40 long weeks and sometimes risky weeks for the birth of a child. It's really long to wait on God for those 
who for whatever reason are infertile and want a child, doing all they can to have one but cannot have one. Those are difficult, difficult years. Those are brutal years for those who have lost a child, whose child or children have gone home ahead of them, born or unborn yet, difficult years. And you join those who are in the latter years of life waiting for the chance to go back and be reunited with either the child that was unborn, the child that was lost, or the parent or grandparent or ancestors who've gone ahead of us. It is hard at the end of life when you, your strength is gone, but you are still waiting to meet the Christ child face to face. Waiting on God. It's never easy. It's never easy. And yet when you're in God's waiting room, we are not exempt from the brutalities of life. We just aren't. We'd like to be, but we're not. We're not exempt from those brutalities. Here's the hope. God always keeps his promises. In the midst of our difficulty, in the midst of saying, God, right now would be the best time, God is going to keep his promises. Now here's the hard reality. The hard truth is this. We don't set the time. God does. We don't set the time. God does. Some of us are control freaks in this room. We want to set the time. We want to say, God, this would be the time for you to come back. God, this would be the opportunity for you to answer. God, this would be the moment where you should deliver on your promise. But we don't set the time. God does. Galatians 4, 4 said, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption to sonship. Do you realize that between the Old Testament writings and the New Testament writing, between the Old Testament prophecy books, the prophets who came, the minor prophets who came and, and proclaimed as spokespeople for God in the Old Testament, that there is always this relationship that while God would allow kings to rise and fall, he would often send prophets to be the proclamation of the word of God to the nation of Israel because of his special relationship to them. But from the moment that the end of the book of Malachi happened to the first verse of Matthew 1, verse 1, there are 400 silent years. Think about it, if you're in the nation of Israel. For centuries now, God has stopped talking to us. Those prophets who used to come along and encourage us, keep hanging on, keep waiting, God's gonna do it. Here's what the future's gonna look like. It's been centuries now since we had one of those. Maybe God's disappointed with us. Maybe God's abandoned us. Maybe he's found other, some other nation that he wants to make favored. Maybe the Messiah will come through somebody else. 400 years of silence until the angels showed up to announce to Elizabeth the birth of John the Baptist and to Mary the birth of Jesus Christ. 400 years. Well, how do you maintain hope? in promises yet to be fulfilled. What do you do if you're in that 400 year time frame? You do exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced that God is able to do all he has promised. 
You maintain your hope in Christ. God fulfills his promise. So what do you do? If you're in the waiting room, if you're in the waiting season, you're going to live Noel backwards, reminding yourself of the birth of Christ. You're going to live Noel in the present by loving people without sacrificing your conviction. And you're going to live Noel in the future that you're going to say, God, as you returned in the past, so you keep your promises, you will return in the future. But sometimes in the waiting room, we isolate. And sometimes in the waiting room, we face dangers. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you in your life have a circle around you? Do you have a brotherhood or a sisterhood? Do you have people around you who help you walk through a season of waiting? Do you have people who come alongside you to support you when you're in a season of waiting? Do you have people to help you? See, what happens is we get tired of waiting. I do. So do you. We get tired of waiting, and so what do we do? We move ahead of God and we say, okay, God, I'm tired of waiting, so I'm going to move ahead of you. I'm going to try and make something happen. I'm going to try and fulfill my own promises. I'm going to try and fulfill my own desires. God, I'm tired of waiting on you. I'm going to make it happen on my own. And when we make it happen, what happens is we make it happen badly. And there's lots of illustrations all throughout history and the Bible that show when we try to run ahead of God, we end up tripping and falling and wishing we never took that first walk away. Sometimes we get discouraged and we isolate. Other times we get proud. We fail to embrace humility. We fail to embrace weakness. We fail to say, that's where I am and I'm going to find my strength in the Lord. We try to find strength in somewhere else. But I want you to know that God always keeps his promises and God doesn't allow us to set the time frame. We don't set the time. God does. Listen, God doesn't follow our agendas or our schedule. Is that frustrating for some of you? God doesn't say, yes, God, you don't, you don't follow my agenda. God, you don't follow my schedule. What God says is believe. He doesn't follow our time frame. He doesn't follow our schedules. He says, when you're in the waiting, believe. And when he says believe, he also means this. If you want to impose your time frame on me, you will never feel loved by me. That feeling will be your fault because I do love you. And I always fulfill my promises. Do you realize the dynamic there? It's when you and I stray that we can't feel God's love. Now, has God's love changed? No. God's love remains steadfast. But all of a sudden, it's not that God can't feel love toward us. It's we can't feel God's love. Why? Because we strayed. It's the prodigal who ran away and forgot his standing as an heir. And then his, comes to his senses, comes back to be a slave. And God says, you're not a slave. You're my son. I have always loved you. I have been looking for you. I have waited for you to return. And I just want you to know, God, I just think he says this. Listen, if you want to impose your time frame on me, you're not going to feel loved by me. And that feeling is going to be your fault because I do love you and I always keep my promises. Number four, waiting on God is always worth it. It's always worth it. Waiting on his time frame, waiting on his promise to be fulfilled 
It's always worth it. Why? How do we know this? Galatians 4, verse 6. Because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our heart. The spirit who calls out Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Doesn't just mean like father. It means daddy. Like, like I am now having such a relationship with you, God, that, that you are like a daddy to me, a good daddy. And as such, I'm an heir. So you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. What does an heir have? An heir has an inheritance. An heir has promise. An heir has a future benefit. And so we go from being the people who are saying like, God, I, I just feel like, you know, I should have it coming to me. And God's saying, listen, because of your sin, oh, you had it coming to you. You had it coming to you. But I left heaven. I became a baby in a manger. And I grew up never sinning. And I took your sin upon the cross and I paid for it in full. With my blood being poured out, his body was whipped and beaten and harmed. But that's why. Because his blood was poured out. His body was given for you. And because of that, guess what? We're not a slave. We are now an heir. And an heir has an inheritance. Listen, an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade. How many times is your inheritance? You, maybe you, some of you in this room, maybe you blew through it. It's gone. Whatever inheritance was there, it's gone. Some of you in this room, you've watched your inheritance, that stuff got old, that treasured possession from a relative or someone who's gone before you has gotten broken. There are things, they've decayed, but in God we have a deposit of his Holy Spirit in us right now in the waiting because that deposit of the Holy Spirit is a guarantee that an inheritance that will never perish, never spoil, never fade, kept in heaven for me, is going to happen. God always keeps his promises and it's always worth it to wait on God. Listen, the baby in a manger didn't seem like a great idea. Hey, that's not probably the greatest plan for like how to answer our need to be the savior of the world. But listen, God's plan is better than any of the world's ideas of greatness. And when it didn't seem like they had the solution they were looking for, Jesus ended up being far better than anything God's people, even his disciples ever could have imagined. When God doesn't meet our expectations of timing, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get frustrated. We think, well, God, are you going to keep your promise? Maybe you're not going to keep your promise at all. But in reality, God's timing, his plans, and his methods are always better than ours. So what do you do to maintain hope when you're in God's waiting room for promises yet to be fulfilled? Here's what you do. You do exactly what a person would do who is absolutely convinced that God is able to do all he has promised. We're gonna live Noel looking backward at the promise of the arrival of Christ. We're gonna live Noel looking forward as we love people without sacrificing conviction. And we're gonna look ahead and we're gonna see the return of Christ and we're gonna obey him and honor him and wait on him because God always fulfills his promises. It wasn't easy to wait and it seemed like way too long, but God kept his promise and just at the right time. Waiting on God to keep his promises, it's never gonna be easy. You think, well, maybe over time or maybe given more life experience, it'll be maybe a little easier, but never easy. 
you're not exempt from the hardships or the brutalities of life. One thing we experience from the Christmas story is that God keeps his promises. The timing isn't always want, and God's answer sometimes doesn't seem like a perfect fit, but waiting on God is always worth it. The question is, will God keep his promise? That's the question of Christianity. And the answer of the Christmas story is a resounding yes. Yes. God keeps his promises. For just a moment, thinking about your own life, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I want to ask, have you received the good news of the Christmas story? Have you received, have it dawned on you that Christ coming, born in a humble state at a manger, his agenda was that he would grow up and give his life, his body would be beaten, his blood would be shed for your sin. And maybe you never made that connection. Maybe today's the first time and you feel this like drawing toward God and that drawing in your heart is simply the spirit of God calling you to himself, wanting to adopt you as a son or a daughter, wanting to say, I will wash all your sin away, wanting to say to you, listen, if you will humble yourself and offer yourself to me, I will make you an heir. I will wash away your sin. I will give you eternal life with an inheritance kept in heaven that will never perish, spoil, or fade. I will be your hope. Listen, this is Noel. This is good news. And if that's you today with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and you want to say, okay, God, I'm, I've gotten to the end of me. I'm ready to say yes to you. If that's you today, then you pray a prayer like this. Jesus, today I give you me. I ask you to come into my life. Make me a new creation. I say yes to the fact that you died on a cross for my sin, that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you're God. Would you wash me white as snow and make me a new creation because today I give you me. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.